0: Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, bad-ass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman. Today, we're going to talk about five things that can fuck right off. This is a post that the fight dietitian made um, that kind of spurred our Uh, our ideas into, hey, in our world, in the recovery and fitness world and strength conditioning world, what are five things that a lot of people are doing that just aren't going to actually pay any sort of dividends moving down the road? So the first thing that we're going to get into that I think can legitimately just fuck right off is BOSU balls. BOSU balls are the most overused and I guess an under- learned. Is that the word understudied under, under everything? They don't do anything except for ankle rehab, right? People are squatting on them. People are deadlifting on them. People are jumping on top of them. People are doing pushups on top of them. All of these different things. There's been studies. Every single piece of literature shows that it's good for one thing, ankle stability. It's not even increasing proprioception, which was the original idea based around creating a BOSU ball. (laughs) It's not even good for the thing that it was made for. So why are we using it for all of these different exercises, all these different tasks when the result is going to be extremely minimal and there's an increased injury risk. Now I get that people think that it's going to stabilize your ankles a little bit better. It's going to, it's going to make you use different small muscles better, but I'm big on, let's look at the research. Let's, let's analyze everything that we're doing in a program for this athlete. And, And when push comes to shove, Bosu balls, aren't that much better than just standing. It, it's actually not better than just standing on the ground, right? Yeah. It's there, I think it's like a point like 0.8 or 0.8, something along those lines. Increase, which is not statistically nor clinically significant. So, if it's not statistically significant, so it doesn't boost the overall ratings and it's not clinically significant, which means that it's not something that I would put into my practice uh, as compared to just using the ground, then why is it in a bunch of different programs outside of the fact that LeBron James stands on those and catches basketballs and it looks cool? Oh, yeah. And that's kind of all encompassing why people use both
1: balls, make things a little bit more difficult and they're kind of cool, right? right? Like that's. That's pretty much the motivations behind the Bosu balls, um, and I have heard like like about if you're training barefoot or you're, and you don't know if you're quite getting all the stability that you need, get on top of a Bosu ball and then we'll definitely check that box and whatever. Like again, ankle stability, sure, whatever. But my two biggest beefs with Bosu balls are that um, one, most athletes and so people are not good. Barefoot stable stabilizing, right? Like we're not good just with our bare feet in the ground, or if you put your hands on the ground, we're not good at stabilizing and finding a good position with our shoulders and hands. So, like we have to nail that coffin first. Get better at being barefoot, get better at stabilizing through your own body and your own means. Um, and then the second thing is like when we're doing compound lifts or we're doing some type of strength exercise with a bosu ball, it's like feeds into our like our principle of like keep the main thing the main thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm focusing on force development. And Then I have my athlete standing on BOSU ball. I'm not focusing on force development, right? In that instance, I'm I'm chasing two chickens, which is stability and force, right? If I want to create more force, I want to get my athlete stronger. I need them to be in the most stable position that they can find, right? Which is not on top of a bosu ball. So it's uh it's an interesting think, training gimmick in in some instances, but not worth the overall value that some people put into it.
0: Well, and you brought up a good point right away that if you're not able to footload correctly in the first place, what makes you think you can do it on an unstable surface? Mm-hmm. The same thing with hand loading. That's something that's extremely underlooked at, right? When we're doing a push-up, do you rock to the heel of your hand and you don't even push through your index finger?
1: Dude, push-ups are the most bastard
0: exercise <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah, but I, I keep seeing like it's it's, it's an Instagram trend. It looks cooler, right? But I keep seeing people trying to do pushups on BOSU balls when they can't even legitimately do a pushup on a stable ground effectively and stabilizing the shoulder. Right. So before you even attempt to go to a BOSU ball, if, if that is something that you just so happen, you feel like you have to do make sure that you're learning how to load your feet properly and learning how to load your hand properly before you even try to take it to the next level. Cause like what Alex said, keep the main thing the main thing. If the main thing is upper body strength through the vehicle of a push up, well, guess what? You should probably train the push up first before you try to complicate it. Same thing with a deadlift, squat, whatever it may be, jumping patterns, skater squats. I see those very commonly, pal- or, uh, pistol squats on BOSUS. What's the main goal? Probably stability, or sorry, probably strength or stability, depending upon what you're doing. Is it a rehab setting or is it a a strength conditioning setting? Well, guess what? We should probably prioritize the movement quality before we try to add in different complicating factors that necessarily aren't going to pay off in the long run.
1: Well, I think that speaks to a larger narrative too in the whole fitness type of landscape. And this is like almost like a CrossFit-esque type of thought process. Mm -hmm. is like, let's make this shit as hard as possible and then do it to the max. Yes. Yeah. Right? It's like, no, let's do it as quality. You as can like pistol squats or single leg squats off a box or whatever progression you're at with us are fucking hard. Like those things are hard to perform well and do well and stay in a good position with. And then you're going to tell me that uh, X fighter over here that can't stand on one leg for 30 seconds is going to do a single a pistol squat on <laughs> a Bosu ball. It's like what? Like, yeah. Let's not focus. Like that's the same thing. Like giving an athlete, all right, do 50 pushups in a row sure you can do it it's going to look like shit and they're not going to be very um cost effective they're not going to be valuable but you can do it and it's hard so it must be good right that's uh i think the the wrong train of thought we need to focus on the quality and uh actually think about the right training effect that we're after so bosu balls are nonsense
0: in summation bosu balls can (laughs) fuck right off what is the next thing that can also fuck off alex fasted cardio can yes it right can off. yes it Fasted can cardio has been so
1: overhyped and overplayed in so many contexts for a long time and i think um i'll go back to our conversations with christina who was just on last week like you need to properly feel for the performance that you're going after right and, and faster cardio ha- may have its place in, in the general population but if you're a combat athlete and you're training all the time there is no window in your recovery that you can afford to skip a meal or that you can afford to not be fueling and recovering, especially with the culture that is around combat sports, like the overtraining that happens, the two or three sessions a day, every day you need to constantly be recovering to try and keep up with the damage that you're doing through training. And so if you have this fasted session or whatever, you're doubling down on the damage and becoming very absent on the recovery, which is fuel into your body. We can't afford that because it, the, the very next workout is going to suffer, then we're going to keep digging a hole, keep digging a hole, keep digging a hole. And we're never going to supercompensate out of the hole. We need to constantly be recovering, AKA constantly be refueling, constantly be pre-fueling things like that.
0: hundred percent. And I see time and time again, that it's, it's the people that really, really, really shouldn't be doing fasted cardio <laughs> are the ones that gravitate towards fasted cardio. <laughs> and what I mean by that is it's, it's the people that are having a an extreme they're working way too hard they're like oh man i gotta add that extra that extra gear in i think i'm going to do facet cardio that's going to make me more efficient a, that's what that's the that's the thing i always get it's going to make me more efficient to do facet I'm cardio fat adapted yeah and those are the and those are typically the people that really shouldn't be doing facet cardio yeah. right if if anybody's going to be doing it it's uh, other weird, than just the general population yeah, it's a weird feedback loop
1: like the thing that you're good at as a fighter is the thing that you gravitate towards kind of the extreme training protocols, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody's got an engine already. Somebody like does all the road work and puts the miles in and, and runs a ton. And they're like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty good at that, but I'm going to feed into it more and be faster while I do it. Right. So it's an interesting phenomenon that people, once they get good at something, they like to dig their heels in and go more extreme with it, which is not always optimal for your training yeah. as a fighter.
0: 100, well, and it, it all boils back to the Mario Kart analogy, Alex, I feel like I'm onto something here. <laughs> everybody wants to bet, highlight their strengths, but that's really only good for a certain amount of camp or a certain amount of your training cycle. Right. And even then fasted cardio can still fuck off, but for, for the most part, everybody wants to hammer down on their strengths, hammer down on their strengths, hammer down on their strengths. Nobody wants to focus on their weaknesses, but guess how you go from good to great. You lift the floor. You don't always have to raise the ceiling, right? People, you can be really good. You can get into the UFC with one skill if you're really fucking good at it, right. but you're not going to win a title with one skill. I can promise you that.
1: Amen. Amen. All right. The next thing that can fuck right off are strobe glasses, All right. And there's some aspect of all of these training gimmicks that uh, have come into play that, that kind of surround cognitive-based training, which is a newer... Aspect to the field, so I can forgive some people that don't have all the research backs and are kind of going forward with it. But strobe glasses have not been researched, and when they have been researched, have not been shown to be effective in um, enhancing performance.
2: If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, And more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. If you know me, you know I'm always on the run up early, and home late, so having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash grit. That's drinkag1.com slash Proven Grit. Check it out.
0: Right. So, strobe light glasses, um, this is something cognitive training is on the rise, right? We know that if we could train our brain, we can also train, uh, the brain controls everything. If we can train the brain to make better decisions, that's going to increase our overall, um, I guess, success rate, quote unquote, is the theory. But what hasn't been proven is all of the different gimmicks based around cognitive training. Right. Whether that be the, uh, I'm just going to throw some out there, whether that be Synaptek, uh like the different touchy things, whether that be the strobe light glasses, whether that be anything in this particular conversation, strobe light glasses have literally the least amount of research possible. And it's all done by the people that created the strobe light glasses. Uh-huh. Typically when I'm analyzing research, if the research is done by the people that made it, there is an inherent bias. Right. there's
1: a a very much a conflict of interest there where we're trying to sell you something that we want to be effective. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: So when we think about decision-making and decision-making qualities, which that's what strobe light glasses are, I guess, geared towards, that's what they're trying to market to that with all of the different things affecting your cognition, you can still make the right decision. That's that. And then eye training, of course, as well, but that factors into the cognition, Mm -hmm. um, it seems like there's better avenues that are cheaper and less gimmicky if that's the goal you're trying to get after. Like if if I'll shameless plug for one of my friends down here in, in Phoenix, is, his name is uh, Jay Folco, And I think his Instagram and TikTok, blew up on TikTok, is the cognitive guru. But he's, he's done extensive research into the study of cognitive training, coming up with a whole different system. And what I liked about what he did with my fighters is it's a system. It's not a, it's not, oh, we're going to throw some like glasses on and touch fit lights all day and play touch butt in the park like Connor that that's, that's not what we're doing, right? It's, it's focused on, Hey, are we making better choices? If I'm holding up two cards and you're doing an exercise, can you pick up on the left card versus the right card? Do you know which card is higher? Do you know which card is lower? Do you know what suit is going on? It's bringing in cognitive-based tasks that are going to increase your mental capacity for what's going on. So making the right decision in a short amount of time, that is not what is happening. With strobe-like glasses that are just flashing in your eye, basically almost trying to cause you to seize, and in that moment you're trying to make the right decision. That's not what's happening in that case. That's just a physical barrier that's blocking out vision, and then you have to try to adapt and make a faster, make a faster read on a pass, or make a faster read on hey the kick should be here versus here, or make a decision. In reality, those glasses are actually just it's 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 just almost like a gimmick. It's a, it's a mirror that that's causing you to not. I guess how do I how do I word it? it it's it's causing you to not understand what's going on that lack of understanding is causing you to try to overcome the barrier that is the strobe like glasses and then you jump into the task at hand it's almost like a positive feedback loop versus a negative feedback loop of what we should be doing 100% and then
1: just the application of them that I've seen is is you know sporadic it's like Here's our actual training, and let's call you know our training this this whole you know baking process of making a cake or whatever. Let's throw these strobe black glasses on and put sprinkles on it and say it's delicious, right? Like yeah, yeah. it's just like let's try and add this thing because it's going to make our training over the top. It's like it's just like Austin saying it's not any at any point the main thing. It's just like sprinkles and dashes to make the training look flashy right? It's that the Instagram training, um, fat, but it's not the thought out system. And it's not the effective cognitive based training that again is could be what it could be because again, cognitive based training is a new training realm. And, um, a lot of people are trying to carve their way into that. And most people that are trying to carve their way into that are product manufacturers trying to make money. So 100%. we just have to be conscious of what's happening there. And who's actually after a skill versus who's after selling products?
0: Yeah, and one in doubt, go to PubMed. If you know how to read research, look at the research and, and figure it out for yourself before you try to dive into a product that's you think is going to help your fighters. And yeah, and the, there's nothing wrong
1: with trying it out or feeling it out, but then we have to move past that point to where there's an actual system of progression and and training that way we can actually get a training effect, not just keep throwing more sprinkles.
0: <laughs> it's all about the sprinkles.
1: I like sprinkles. Sprinkles are for winners. Um, Alex, right. what's the next thing that could fuck off quite a controversial statement here. And I'm going to make you say it,
0: Austin, because oh, that, fuck it, it, it would hurt my heart. That's okay. Back squats, back squats can fuck right off for combat That's... athletes. Am I jumping in? Yeah, go I ahead. can, I can jump in on this. All right. So boom, back squats. There are so many better ways to increase maximal posterior or maximal strength of the squatting pattern than a typical back squat. Why would we pick a back squat when we know that's going to add a compressive load onto the disc of a low back in a grappler that most likely has disc herniations? Just point blank. Not, I'm not saying that it's going to overload. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying that it's necessarily 100% going to cause back irritation, but we know the grappling population and combat sports in general has a higher likelihood of low back pain. That has been proven in every single uh, retroactive study that's been shown. So if we know that We also know that putting weight uh, that I would say, since we're swearing in this podcast, typically a fuck ton. If we're doing a back squat, that's the entire reason of doing a back squat. Why would we put weight on top of the spinal cord on the shoulders, which is a compressive load, pressing down on the low back discs and then potentially flaring up a disc issue of a grappling athlete? That doesn't make a lot of sense when we have zercher squats that we can do. When we have front squats, we can do, we can do goblet squats. We can do arms by side, trap bar deadlifts, trap Mm -hmm. bar deadlifts. It's basically the same exact pattern, but outside of the fact that back squats is, is a power lift. Like I don't, I don't really don't see a need to include it in almost any combat athletes program um, from here on out, when there's all of these different options that are going to be more biomechanically efficient and better for their overall health and joint health. Yeah. And again, this
1: hurts me because like the, one of the first things that I learned as a strength condition coach is like the back squat is King, right? That's where you can get the most adaptation, the most kind of stimulus to the body. If we're training like for a max strength, um, emphasis, but I think at the end of the day with the MMA population, it's, you know, square peg round hole, right? Mm -hmm. We're, we're just trying to make our model of strength and conditioning fit for somebody that it doesn't. Right. Um, So again, there's different ways to get the same stimulus without all the negatives that Austin's kind of outlaid as far as the ergonomics and the, um, just the, the postural biases that we see with our grappling athletes. So there's different ways to chase that dragon and with the back squat even though we could possibly get to a higher load with it it's got to be very carefully implemented if at all or if not.
0: Well and and so the other thing with the back squat with the compressive load and all of these different things it's that's going to leave us more prone to the extension compression stability strategy which I've talked extensively on this podcast which is that open scissors position where your rib cage is up. You're using your low back to stabilize and your pelvis is dipped forward. Think about like, if we have a pop can, it's dented in the back, every single back squat ever is preparing you to do that stability strategy because the pressure is at the load is on the back. You lean forward when you go down and you're almost twerking at the bottom of your squat in order to keep, make sure that your pelvis doesn't round forwards, but that's not necessarily neutral. What I keep finding in all of these, all of my athletes is when we, if I were to load up a back squat, they dip into that extension compression stability strategy and Almost every single one of the athletes I work with in combat sports, they already are prone to that inefficient stabilizing pattern. If I think about the overall goal of, I'm not trying to, yes, I'm making my athletes stronger. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to make them more dense and robust, but the overall goal is performance. We know the number one performance, one of the top performance metrics is, Hey, can they keep their canister? That's how they generate the most, most force possible. In every study, most specifically the Stu McGill studies on the tri-star athletes. So as soon as they dip forward, they can't keep that IAP. Why would I be loading at heavy loads, trying to lift a threshold in an inefficient pattern? That's not going to necessarily translate into the sport that they're in. That's what that's, that's in my lens. That's what I see. And then on top of all of these different factors, we know that athletes have hamstring issues. Athletes have, quote, that, that's literally why, all right, the psoas, the so right. That's why an entire product was made because they're so right. Their psoas is quote unquote is so tight. Well, guess what? The more that they're dipping in, in that extension compression, the tighter that psoas is quote unquote going to be. So why we're just tightening up hip flexors, putting them into that position and causing them to overload the hip flexors, in which case it's going to make their hips feel tighter. Like I had specifically, the reason why I brought it up is I had one of my athletes is a top level boxer, heavyweight boxer. He was doing all these different programs. He's always had super tight, again, quotes, hamstrings. um, And he's never been able to squat without hamstring pain. Well, guess what? We just stopped back squatting. I've been working with him for two years. He legitimately has had zero hamstring pain for, or low back pain for two years yeah. because we just took out back squats out of his program. That's it. Exactly. So that, yeah. That's how much it affects this. Yeah. Square peg,
1: round hole. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say about the back squat is again, feeds into this whole narrative of strength conditioning of like, make shit hard, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. like it's like, a, we're going to do a back squat. And we're going to put as much weight on we can. Like, like a prerequisite is like, can you stabilize correctly? And most people in the back squat, no. Right. And then it's like, can we lift the most amount of weight we can while stabilizing correctly? No. So it's like, we're trying to get this maximal strength benefit without stabilizing correctly. So we're skipping step a to step B. Right. So, and then people's numbers have to come down. People's egos are going to get hurt and blah, blah blah. It's much easier just to state the fuck away from it, Right. Yeah, like exactly. It's like I used to bash squat 400 in college and like, I want to do that again. It's like, yeah, but it's it's not worth the cost of it. Yeah. You are know, not so.
0: the same athlete you were in college. So yeah, amen. <laughs> amen.
1: That's a that's a hard conversation to have with a yeah. lot of athletes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got to take we got to replace our value. I think in strength and conditioning from like making shit hard value to like doing shit well value. Yep.
0: And moving into the last one, last thing that can legitimately fuck right off: massage guns. <laughs> massage guns can. Talk right off. And the reason why I mean that is, does it feel good? Of course it does, but that doesn't, that is not your recovery. If you're only using your massage gun for recovery, well, you're an idiot. Um, If if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, if you're not getting injuries checked out, if you think your massage gun, or I'll even expand this to so rights, Theracanes, but mostly massage guns, because that's what I keep seeing. If you think that that's the only thing you need as far as recovery, then you're missing the boat entirely on what recovery actually is. Yeah. It's a band-aid over a bullet hole, right? Mm-hmm. It's Like I'm going to make this shit feel good.
1: And then I'm recovered magically. It's like, no, the thing that feels good may, may send some positive signals to your brain. And yes, it's going to feel good in the moment, but it's not actually recovery. And I'm going to let Austin get into the meat and potatoes of what recovery is, but it's the simple shit. We got to do the simple shit very well in order to actually recover versus Try and use all these fancy one-offs that fix the problem right away.
0: Yeah, dude. The simple stuff isn't sexy, though. It doesn't sell on Instagram. Nobody wants to watch you sleep. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> do it better. I mean, some people want to watch you sleep, but those people are weird. I don't know <laughs> that anybody wants to watch me sleep. No, dude. That mustache, that hair.
1: You're the one with the mustache right now. The gross, nasty. That hey, look awesome looks thing. like a
0: 1990s New York cop. I'll take that as a compliment. Sure. But when we talk about what we can do instead of massage guns, because we know I'm big on actionable steps, let's uh, let's replace theragunning yourself for 20 minutes before practice and an hour after practice with let's sleep eight, really eight to 10 hours, but eight Mm -hmm. to nine, I guess that's manageable for most athletes. Let's get out the first thing in the morning. Let's get a little sun on your body. Like first thing you do when you wake up, go outside, look at some sun that's been shown to increase testosterone production. That's been shown to increase overall mood. Uh, that's been shown to increase recovery as well. The other thing we can do eat. We talked about fasted cardio earlier, how it's fucking stupid and it can fuck off. Well, guess what? Let's, let's actually properly increase our nutrition. Let's actually eat some food, have some carbs. I know crazy to say real food, yeah. not just <laughs> not just supplements.
1: Yeah. Not just protein bars.
0: Yeah. But having whole foods, trying to eat. uh, This is weird for me to say, because it's a little bit hypocritical, but eat the rainbow. I'm not an athlete though. So, uh, eat the rainbow, have proper nutrition, try to actually have some carbs, some fats, some protein, not just protein. Um, and then on top of all of that, if you feel the need to Theragun the same area for more than four days and it's actually in pain and not just sore. Well, guess what? Please get that checked out. That is no longer sore. That is pain. That is no longer something that your theragon is going to temporarily take things away from. You should probably get that assessed, looked at, and then treated so that this doesn't become a bigger issue moving forward. Yeah, man. I feel
1: like 90% of my job is uncovering inefficient movement patterns slash symptoms. It's not, you know, we're we're always Treating the symptom. We're always finding where's the pain at? Let me throw it away. It's like, but what's creating the pain is this movement pattern. Let's retool that and get you to be stronger in the right area, move in a different way. And then we'll alleviate the symptom from the core, not go from the top down. Right. So, um, yeah, address it through a actual problem solving lens, not a rub the boo-boo
0: lens. Exactly. It's all about what can we do? to actually increase performance, not what's going to look great at greatest on Instagram or what's the most, honestly, most of the time it's what's the most convenient option uh, of, of most of these things that we've said, that's just the convenient option.
1: Yeah. 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 Convenience is a, is a killer of progress. hundred percent. No,
0: but those are our five things that can legitimately fuck right off. Bosu balls, Fasted cardio, strobe light glasses, back squats, and theraguns. Yeah, theraguns. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to be included, and then you didn't jump in right away. <laughs> sure. I think you just forgot the list. I was going to say reco- like recovery modalities, but theraguns. But if you have any questions, you want to debate us. I love debating. If you couldn't (laughs) tell, um, if you want to tell me, I'm an idiot, hit us up at all of our information in the show. notes. you can hit us up at Instagram, building a fighter. Both of our emails are in there, or you go to the website. We have all of our different programs on the website. Um, whether that be low back pain course, if you have a history of low back pain and you want to increase your stability and your robustness of the low back to try to make it not happen again, guess what? There's course for that. You want to increase your overall performance and you're an individual that wants an individualized program guess what we got a program for that team want to make a team better with strength conditioning but you don't have a strength conditioning coach on site or you can't afford a strength conditioning coach's salary guess what we'll make a program for your team so we have all these different options please go and check those out um, because right now they're just waiting ready for people to jump on them after that let's alex what else do you got i want you to end it
1: i want me to end it um no i think we're on the right track I don't know. I don't have anything
0: to <laughs> add to this. Like, share, subscribe, do all the cool stuff that allows us to become friends with your friends. And as always, building fighter, Dr. Austin Shane. Alex Reuben, And we are out.